Thanks. I'll pay you later. Thank you for that. Um, all right. Um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're in a series called Gifted. And last week we handed out spiritual gift assessments so that if you were ready, you could take a spiritual gift assessment. The reality is every single person that has um, received Jesus through faith in him as their Lord and Savior, if you've made that decision, every single person here that has made that decision, you are gifted. And it's not the fact that you are gifted intellectually and all that stuff, but rather you are actually given a gift that the Holy Spirit empowers you to use to edify and sharpen brothers and sisters in the church. So last week we discovered that you are uniquely and wonderfully gifted if you're in Christ. And there's nothing you can do about it. You are given a gift, some gifts. Um, but you are uniquely and wonderfully gifted. So we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. Paul's looking at the bird's eye view, like a big zoomed out scope of spiritual gift as in general, and uh, looks at a different variety of gifts. And Paul is saying that this is going to use and strengthen each other. It's going to strengthen himself, um, and that the Holy Spirit empowers us to, to do and use these. So before we get any further, a uh, quick story. A couple weeks ago, I was going to my small group and my buddy texted me and said, hey, it's my wife's birthday uh, this week. We're going to all bring her a gift. Um, she loves books. She loves reading books. She loves decorating with books. So anything that you think she'd love to read or decorate with, bring a book. And so I'm thinking, perfect. I love giving away some books. I have plenty of books that I, I want to give away. And so it was pretty easy for me to determine like what to give her. And we're about to leave for small group. And I have the book in my hand as if I'm going, like I just bought it at the store for myself. And Kendra says, you can't bring that. You didn't wrap it. <laughs> and it's like, we're all giving her a book. She's going to know what it is. We're all giving her books. She's going to open one gift and realize, oh, these are all probably books. And so I didn't even like think or, you know, want, I'm not like, I'm a pretty boring person. I don't want to wrap a gift. And so it takes a lot of work. I'm kind of like, if, a, if there's a bag that matches the size of this object, I will put it in a bag. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. And so <laughs> there are a group of here who's like, mm, no, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Um, so I didn't want to wrap it just because me, and I didn't feel like doing that. And so Kendra was like, we have to wrap it. And, and something to know about my friend, Sarah, who we were getting these books for, Sarah is one of these people that if you don't wrap her gift, you're dead to her, right? Is there anyone in this room kind of like that? Like, if you're going to give me a gift, at least do the due diligence of wrapping it. For, now no one wants to seem stuck up. Okay. Like, I want to raise my hand. Okay, thank you, Patrick. All right, so, <laughs> um, but like, you know, you want a gift and you want the joy of unwrapping the gift. I get it. I understand, but I'm just not good at it. So it just looks awful. And so sometimes I'll just embrace the fact that I'm not good at it and just take a large newspaper, roll it up, tape the top of it. And that is your gift, whatever it is. So, but I brought this, so I had this book. I was ready to walk out the door. I didn't want to wrap it. And something to know about Sarah is that she just really wants the gift wrapped. She doesn't even know we're giving her these gifts anyway. So like, this is a surprise. I felt like we could have just said, here you go. And she would have been like, whoa, a book. But we had to, she's like, no, you have to wrap these. So I 
go downstairs to like where there's this gift stuff and I look through all the options we had and I come up with a very large Paw Patrol bag that <laughs> was way oversized. I just felt like if I'm not going to do it right, I'm going to do it not right, right. And so I got a rather large Paw Patrol bag. We take the gift and Kendra actually had one that looked rather nice and I had one that was for a five-year-old. And so we take the gifts to a small group and we go to where all the gifts are. We're going to put our books in the same spot and everyone's books are wrapped just pristine. They are gorgeous. They are like ready for a photo shoot. They look so great. And then you have one oversized Paw Patrol bag just, you know, glistening and it's really great. And so I didn't know that about her. I still wouldn't want to wrap a gift, but this is all going to tie in to our gifted series in that we discovered last week the reality that we are all uniquely and wonderfully gifted. Now, this week, 1 Corinthians 13, which we all may be familiar with, is the love chapter. If you've been to a wedding or six, you may have heard these, and it's a great passage of scripture, um, but rather we, we tend to romanticize this passage when actually the continuance of the passage, Paul has been talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, now goes on to like, but your gift needs to be wrapped up in something. And we're going to find out what that is. So 1 Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jump down to verse 13. It says, now these Three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let me pray for us. God, we, we thank you for your word. God, to point us to um, this idea that our gifts are not just solely about our abilities, Lord, but that we would rather wrap them in love. God, so that your church may be as you designed it to be, Lord, that, it would, that you would use your people to use your giftings, your characteristics, Lord, to sharpen one another as we go about into this world, Lord. So I pray that as we look at this, that you would convict us in the areas of our life and in our heart where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage us in the areas of our life where we need to be encouraged, Lord, and that you would ultimately challenge us to take a step forward in our walk with you as a result of our time together tonight, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So if we're going to um, kind of take one main idea tonight that we're going to take away, if you're taking notes, the big idea tonight is that your gift is only effective to the degree in which you love. Your gift is only effective to the degree in which you love. Now, this passage, again, is a familiar one. 
if you grew up in the church or if you've attended a wedding at any point in your life. The passage does get a reputation through being between a man and a woman, but it's not solely the case as much as, as it's about brothers and sisters, fellow followers of Jesus. I mean, this passage is 1 Corinthians 13 and not 1 Corinthians 8, where 1 Corinthians 7 is talking about marriage. So the natural progression, if it was about a marital relationship, would be 1 Corinthians 8, but we don't find it there. We find it here after Paul is talking through the spiritual gifts. Paul's not describing this romantic kind of love that we should have, but rather the kind of love that should be evident among all followers of Jesus. A love that is patient, a love that's kind, a love that isn't arrogant or rude, but rather bears all things. And this kind of love is regular and consistent. When it's, when it's regular and consistent in the church, it propels the mission of the church forward. But when a brother or sister that is wonderfully and uniquely gifted is absent of love, they are essentially a limb on the human body that decides to stop working or rather starts working in direct opposition to the rest of the body. We looked at this imagery last week where Paul does use the human body as an image towards the body of the church. And when one part of your body isn't operating as it should, it, it affects the entire body. A gifted brother or sister without love is a travesty. When a gifted brother or sister exemplifies the love and the grace that Jesus embodies, the church keeps marching on. And the church keeps pressing forward. The church becomes the church that it was created to be. And if we love the way that Paul describes, our gifts will further and advance the mission and work of the church. And so you may have taken a spiritual gift assessment last week and you've maybe seen some of the ways that God has gifted you and you're trying to figure out how do I start incorporating these gifts into like the local church here? And that's something that I want you to um, talk to your D group leader about, talk to myself or Erica about to try to figure out how, okay, God's gifted me and I want to figure out how to use these in a way to, to further the mission of the church. So I want to kind of back up verses one through three. Paul says that if I speak human or angelic language or tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge and I have all the faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm what? Nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And Paul's basically saying you could be gifted in every way. You could obtain every gift you could have all the ability, all the talent, all the charisma. But if you do not love, if your gift isn't wrapped in love, it holds no weight. Your gift is ineffective. You may be the most qualified person ability-wise, but without love, it's meaningless. I mean, think about it. The most gifted preacher or the most 
hospitable person, the most knowledgeable, the most faith-filled, the most wise, the most discerning, the most merciful, the most giving person, but doesn't have love, their gift is not effective. It doesn't push the gift forward, the, the church forward. I mean, we could be a force to be reckoned with for the kingdom, but yet we choose to not wrap ourselves up in love. This very love, mind you, that we claim to have obtained and seen and taken a step of faith on. If we've really obtained this faith in Jesus, we should be taking steps forward and wanting to exemplify, show the world this love that we've claimed to have received. And here we are in our, in our giftings, in our uniqueness, and God has crafted us each individually and uniquely and wonderfully, and we don't want to wrap ourselves up in love. We're promoting ourselves. We're doing this to make ourselves feel better. We're doing this to pat ourselves on the back, and God wants to use you. He wants to use you to further his mission and further his church, but we have to wrap ourselves up in love. Your gift is only as effective to the degree in which you love. Paul goes on to describe love in great detail. You've heard it. He says that love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I mean, this is a, a beautiful and well-thought-out description from Paul that he's telling us what love actually is. He's telling us the nature and the effects of love, and this, this list is showing the Corinthian church that their conduct, in many respects, has been a contrast to this list. But it may be true for the Corinthians, but also it's probably very true for us too. I mean, look at verses four through seven again, and I want you to do an exercise. You may have done this before one time or another, but I want you to replace your name where it says love in verses four through seven. So for me, it would say Adam is patient, Adam is kind. And so go through verses four through seven, replace your name where it says love. Let me give you a few seconds to do that. I mean, what if we as a youth group, what if we were able to read that, verses four through seven, with our name in place of love? What if we were able to read that and not feel like a liar? And what if we were able to read that as a youth group and be able to walk with confidence in the fact that like we're walking in love, that we've wrapped our gifts up in love? I mean, I can just tell you, you're your individual D group. If you've been in your D group for any amount of time, you may have had their eb your ebbs and flows where things like, we're going really well, we're really jiving. And then there's other seasons and moments in your D group where like, we're just kind of not on the same page here. Kind of feel like we're button heads, or I just feel like there's some unsaid tension. But man, if we were to wrap ourselves up in love, our D group would change. The nature of your D group would change. 
which ultimately affects the climate of this youth group, which also encourages and furthers the, the work of the church. It would affect our community. It would affect your schools. It would affect your city. It would affect the state. It would affect the country. I mean, the trickle effect of love is, is grand and we can't really conjure it up. We can't think about it because we're so selfish. We want the glory. But man, if we were to wrap our gifts in love, it changes things. If we were to live a life that exemplified and embodied the love that has taken hold of us, things would change. Now, ultimately, we can look at these verses four through seven and, you know, I read Adam is patient and I have to like stop because it's like, okay, I had a moment with the girls this week where I was like, I did not handle that well. I wasn't very patient and it didn't take very long for me to get there. It's just a moment, like I'm not patient. I'm not very kind. I do envy, I am boastful, I am arrogant. And we can read through this list, but ultimately we can read through this list and say, Jesus, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy. Jesus isn't boastful. We can read through this whole list and replace the name Jesus, and Jesus is that. He's embodied every part of it. Jesus is love. So it may not be true for us. It's true for Jesus, though. In the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you're in Christ and the Holy Spirit empowers you to walk out these gifts, to empower the church, to sharpen one another, to encourage brothers and sisters. So ultimately, what is our response to this? Like we're all, we're gifted in one way or another uniquely and differently and wonderfully. We're all gifted in Christ. So what does it look like? I want us to look towards the cross. Paul David Tripp in his devotional, New Morning Mercies, which is a great devotional. I probably haven't given a devotional away more than that one. If you're looking for a book to help you in your time with the Lord, but Paul Tripp says this, he says, the cross of Jesus Christ is the only model you and I need of what love does in the face of wrong. Love doesn't call wrong right. Love doesn't ignore wrong and hope it goes away. Love doesn't turn its back on you because you are wrong. Love doesn't mock you. Love doesn't mean I turn tables and work to make you hurt in the same way you hurt me. Love doesn't go passive and stay silent in the face of wrong. Love moves towards you because you are wrong and need to be rescued from you. In moving towards you, love is willing to make sacrifices and endure the most awful hardships so that you may be made right again and be reconciled to God and others. God graces us with this kind of love so that we may be tools of this love in the lives of others. If I could just help us in this one thing, this short, 
mini hybrid series of spiritual gifts, if I could just help us understand one thing, it's your gifted and our gift must be wrapped in love in order to make a dent in this kingdom. It's not optional that we are to love. And if we are in Christ and we claim to have taken hold of this love that has captured us in our affections, but yet we refuse to love this world, the people in our church, the people in our youth group, our D group, if we refuse love and withhold that from people, I would question if we've truly had a real authentic encounter with Jesus Christ. The world's broken and it's hurting. And it's gracious of God that he has gifted us. He doesn't have to use us. He chooses to use us. God could write the book of Romans in the sky and the whole world would believe. He doesn't do that. He chooses to use you. He empowers you because you are gifted. He's going to use you far beyond than you could ever hope or dream for yourself. The dreams that God has for you are bigger and better than the dreams you even have for yourself. You're gifted. And we can sometimes, as a youth group, I'm just speaking towards what I've experienced myself, and maybe you felt the same way, is that the church looks at us oftentimes, not like LCF specific, but maybe people in the church look at the youth group and say, you will like, grow up eventually and become a follower of Jesus. Like you, you students, you are the church now. And the church needs you. And you need the church more than ever. And the Holy Spirit doesn't wait till you graduate college to gift you. But you're gifted right now. And the church needs those giftings wrapped in love to empower and to sharpen and refine all of us so that we can walk in obedience. And so there's something to be I have something to learn from every single one of you. Just like you have something to learn from your D group leader and from your peers, you are gifted. And God is empowering us to walk a life of obedience and to use our giftings wrapped in love. Let me pray for us. Father, it's gracious of you that you would choose to gift us, Lord, not for our own glory or our own motives or agendas, Lord, but to further your kingdom. What a gift it is to be used by you. And God, many of us here have our own hopes, dreams, and desires, and Lord, may you turn those hopes, dreams, and desires, Lord, to ones that, that honor you and glorify you, Lord, and make waves for the kingdom. God, for the student here that's just grappling with how do I even do this and what do I do about it, Lord, I pray that you would help those next steps in, in the conversations in our D groups, that you'd help us figure out ways to operate in our giftings. Lord, that we not just frustrate ourselves trying to be a better Christian, Lord, but that we actually use the giftings you've empowered us, Lord, to work for your kingdom. God, you've given us purpose. 
And we thank you for that, Lord. I pray you would bless the conversations that happened tonight, Lord, and that you would use your word to speak boldly to us, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.